Hey, I'm Steve Volland. Thanks for listening. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for social media marketer Latasha James. I definitely have that curse of being a multi-passionate creator. I love everything, so I feel like I can just be pulled in so many different directions sometimes, and it's really hard for me to prioritize. The main thing that we do is social media marketing, social media consulting, and I would say a good 70 to 80% of my inbound leads and inquiries come from YouTube. So there is Latasha, her story coming up very soon indeed. She's over in Detroit and has a whole lot going on, actually. I mean, I described her as a social media marketer, but as I'm sure we shall explore, there is much more to her than just one role. That's for sure. I discovered her via YouTube, which we will chat about, no doubt. But from there, I have listened to and read many things. So looking forward to that. Uh, Just to point you, though, in the direction of my YouTube as well, because I've not mentioned that for a few weeks. Uh, Remember, I document my life as a freelancer as well. So whereas the podcast is about chatting to other people about their stories, my videos and me living my story, you know, pretentious as that might sound. Uh, So the idea is you see what I get up to, but also uh, the things I'm learning, the stuff I'm coming up against and so on and so forth. Um, Really appreciate your comments on them. If you have been watching them, thank you. Go take a look. So that is beingfreelance.com link through to YouTube or you can watch it on the website or go to youtube.com slash Steve Folland. So yes, please go take a look, hit subscribe uh, and let me know what you think as well. It's always nice to get your thoughts. Right now though, let's crack on, shall we? Go to Detroit and to freelance social media marketer, Latasha James. Hey, Latasha. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me on today. Thanks for doing this. So how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Sure. Um, Yeah, so I am a freelance social media marketer. And I have been freelance for quite a few years now. I've been taking clients freelance for probably about six years now. Um, I started back when I was in college. At the time, I was working as a retail manager for you know, quite a few years doing the whole college gig thing. And I mean, I was a college kid, so I I wanted more money. I mean, what college student doesn't need more money? And also, I was getting ready to graduate. I think I was a junior when I started freelancing seriously. And I was realizing I really need some professional experience, some experience in a field that I really wanted to end up in. I knew that, you know, working in retail just wasn't for me long term. So, I just started reaching out on back then. It was called Elance. I think it's called Upwork now. So that's where I got my first freelance gig. It was a freelance writing gig. And I guess I should back up a little bit and say that I've always had some kind of an online presence. I've always had a blog or back in the day when it was Zanga and LiveJournal. I don't know if anyone remembers those. They're like ancient blogging platforms. But I'd kind of always had a blog just for fun. So I had a lot of practice writing and kind of understood SEO a little bit and obviously the social media for promoting those blog posts. So when I was in college, like I said, I I got a freelance writing gig just based on my blogging experience for myself. So that's kind of where it all started. And then from there, I connected with the manager of that blog And I let her know that I was really interested in social media. 
And so eventually she went on to start her own company and she hired me as the freelance social media manager. So that's kind of where I got my first true social media experience. And I've just been doing that since then. And uh, along the way, I've picked up a few other gigs, uh, including a YouTube channel and a podcast of my own. So yeah, that's that's kind of where I started. Cool. Yeah, I'm intrigued. So from what I can see, there's, there is quite a few ways that you bring in money. So the main thing that you do is social media management and social media consulting. Yes. Yep. So when did the YouTube channel start? What were you doing, you know, when you started it? Yeah, I would say I think I've been on YouTube for about five years now, which sounds like such a long time when I say that. And I started YouTube around the same time that I started freelancing, to be honest. I actually got foot surgery at that time. And so I was in bed. I was kind of had to be off my feet for like three months. And so honestly, I just spent a lot of time binge watching YouTube, uh, as one does. And I never really knew what YouTube was. Like, obviously, I knew cat videos and like funny videos, but I never knew that there was this whole community behind it until that point. And so, yeah, I saw a YouTube video from actually a beauty vlogger. Her name was Bethany Moda. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I could totally do that. And I was bored. So I just uploaded one of my own. And I never really thought of it as like a part of my business at that point or never saw it going where it has went for me. But I'm glad it has. My, my YouTube channel has definitely transformed over the years. I started out doing a lot of beauty and fashion stuff and just using it as like an extension of my blog and an extension of my personality. And within the past couple of years, I would say I've really made a shift to doing more business content and the response has been incredible. I, I mean, every day I get messages saying, oh my gosh, I got my first client because of one of your videos or, you know, your videos helped me so much. And it's just the coolest thing ever. Wicked. So you were doing beauty videos and then transferred into business. How often would you be publishing? Oh, yeah. I, I have went in so many different phases with YouTube. In the beginning, it was definitely a little bit less frequent, but I would say I've pretty much, for the duration of my YouTube channel, I've pretty much always posted at least once a week. But there have been times when I post every day. I don't know if you've heard of Veda, vlog every day in April and August. I've done that several times. I do Vlogmas every year where I vlog every single day in December. So yeah, I kind of go in and out, but I would say a good average is about once a week. Wow. How do you stay committed to that sort of schedule? Yeah, I always tell people you have to love it. Otherwise, you're not going to do it. It's it's weird because YouTube is obviously a part of my business now. It's a part of my income now, but I, I don't really look at it like that. I, I just genuinely love it. I love every process of it. I love the connection that I have with my viewers. I love filming. I love editing. I could edit all day long. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely part of it is I just genuinely love what I do, but also, just be realistic with yourself. I would love to be the person who posts every day. I know that my channel could grow a lot faster if I posted even three times a week, but I have to just stay committed to my other you know, obligations with my career. So I have to be really realistic about what I can do and communicate that with my viewers and you know, just not be too hard on myself. And also batch producing, so batch filming, batch editing um, really helps me a ton too. I usually spend one or two days a month filming. I'm not filming like every single day. And then I'll just 
film, you know, four or five videos in one day and then edit throughout the month. So you come up with your own little processes that work for you. And to give people a flavor, obviously, if you go to beingfreelance.com, we'll put a link through to everything that Latasha is up to. So you can go and check out her videos for herself. But to give people a flavor of the sort of topics that you cover these days, because you, you say it's a part of your business. Are you talking about social media? Who, who are you talking to? Yep. So I do videos. I do a lot of videos on social media marketing and strategy behind it updates to algorithms and platform changes, creative ideas, things like that. And then I also do freelancing tips. So the really the whole way that my channel kind of switched from being like a lifestyle beauty fashion channel to a business channel was I had this idea to start a series called Freelance Friday. And like I said, I'd, I'd always been freelancing for the most part for the whole duration of my YouTube channel. And I got questions about it a lot. People would ask, like, what are you doing on your computer all the time? What do you, you know, what, what, what is your career? What do you do? And so I thought that I would start this series just to kind of explain what being a freelancer was and what my journey and my path was. So I called it Freelance Friday. It was just supposed to be a once every other week series. And yeah, in that series, uh, I do a lot of just tips and advice for freelancers, favorite tools, favorite resources, things like that. And then the other big series on my channel is called A Week in My Business. And it's pretty much just a weekly vlog. So kind of a follow me around style vlog, but it's more business focused. So I share, you know, what projects I'm working on that week and just some tips and tricks. And we have a little bit of fun along the way too. Probably a lot of fun actually. (laughs) (laughs) And so you make direct money from that through YouTube itself, do you? Yeah, so I monetize my channel a few different ways. The, the most obvious way is through Google AdSense. So I get paid for you know a very small percentage of the ads that are displayed on my YouTube channel. And then I also work occasionally with sponsors. And I also use affiliate links in my description box, which do have a payout as well. Mm. So is that the particular reason why people vlog every day, for example, in December? Because at that time of year, there's more ad revenue going around because people are trying to sell stuff ahead of Christmas. Yeah, that's a great observation. I I think that's definitely part of it. Ad revenue definitely tends to be higher at that time of year. But I also think it's just a really fun way to connect with your viewers because especially for people who their audience is a little bit younger, maybe they're in college or even younger than that, it's a great time because they have a lot of free time, right? You know, if you have a large demographic that's in college, which I actually do because I have a lot of people who are looking to start their careers, they're busy throughout the year. So December, they have a lot of time off from school. So it's a good time to just kind of connect with everybody. Cool. And do you find like when when you're putting them out every day, also you mentioned April and August, do you feel like you suddenly get better or is it actually quite a big pressure by the end? Like I've never done that. Oh, you definitely should. You should do it. I love it. It is a little bit of pressure. I mean, there's there's usually a couple days out of the month where I'm like, oh my gosh, why am I doing this? You know, <laughs> like, why am I staying up till 2am editing a video? But I definitely think that it builds your skills so, so much. You know, practice makes perfect. It's It's true what they say. And when you're doing something only once a week or even less frequently, you get a little rusty at it. It's it's a little bit difficult to really grow and, and build up your vlogging muscles, if you will. So yeah, vlogging every day is just a great practice. I just feel like I get 
better at it. I get quicker at it. And also one thing that I love about it is I don't second guess myself as much. I think as creatives, we can be so hard on ourselves and everything I do, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. This is awful. You know, and I I second guess myself so much. I mean, I have videos edited on my computer ready to go that I just won't upload because, you know, my hair is out of place or the lighting isn't perfect. And when you're vlogging every day, you kind of don't have a choice. You know, it's like, what you get is what you get. And you'll find that most times people don't care about the hair that's, you know, out of place or whatever. So it's a nice practice to do that. And then also, again, going back to the connection with your viewers, they're just so much more engaged because they know I can expect a video every single day. And I even put a time limit on it. So I say a new video every day at midnight. So they know to come back to my channel every day at midnight. And yeah, so my engagement is higher. My comments are higher. I just love it. And so I notice that you, on your website, you also then are selling courses to freelancers. And so did that come off the back of YouTube as you started to realize that people were interested in that kind of content? Yeah, definitely. That's really where it started. Like I said, I got a lot of questions from my viewers about what exactly I did and how I made money from it and and how they could do the same thing. So I honestly just got really tired of answering the same questions over and over again. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I'm going to write a blog post about this and just detail everything. And I started writing down that blog post and I'm like, oh my goodness, there was just <laughs> so much to cover. Like, where do I even start? And so, yeah, that's when I decided to do the course. My first course is called A Journey Social. So it's all about just being a freelance social media manager. And I've built a couple others since then as well. So, yeah, that's really where it started. And I've done a lot of promotion for it on YouTube. I think they go really well hand in hand because there's a lot of material that's covered in the course that's kind of next level up from some of my YouTube videos. Mm. Is it written content or have you made videos as part of the course? It's both. So it's primarily slides, uh, like me talking over slides, but then there are also some video tutorials as well. And did you use a particular platform for that? Or Yep. So I host it on Thinkific, which I really like. I feel like it's very easy to use. And then to actually build out the course, I just created slides using, you know, PowerPoint. And then I recorded them and did my voiceover all in Final Cut. And how did you find that process, particularly on your your first one, or maybe stuff that you learned from that that you then took into your others? Like, was it a whole ton of work? Like, what was involved? Yeah, that's a great question. I I don't think I knew what I was getting myself into (laughs) before I started. Yeah, it it was a lot of work. I think it was more work than I anticipated. It it definitely turned out to be worth it, but really just a lot of research. There honestly isn't a ton of information, at least that I've found, about how to create a course online. So I was just Googling frantically every day trying to figure it out. Luckily, I had the YouTube experience, so I knew how to edit videos and do voiceovers and all of that. If I didn't have that experience, I would have been very confused. So yeah, it was just a lot of research and figuring things out along the way. And and how's that working for you? Like, So <laughs> this is why it always makes me smile, like this whole passive income. Although actually a, pre- a previous guest pointed out that we should perhaps call it scalable income because there's so much work that goes into it rather than the word passive. So when did you make that? Like a year ago, two years ago? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's been a year and a half since the first one. And does that, so does that just tick over? That, and do you have to do anything now that it's up and running? 
Yeah, not really, to be honest. Um, I I had sort of a slower launch. There's a lot of things I wish I would have done at launch that I didn't do, but you live and you learn. It, it wasn't an unsuccessful launch by any means. It just obviously didn't make me a million dollars or anything like that, which I wasn't expecting. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would say it was a successful launch and it's been more and more successful over this over time. Really just... I point to it every once in a while in my content, in my YouTube content, not to be over salesy or overly pushy, but when I feel like it genuinely has a fit and genuinely could help people, I'll just shoot a reminder out. And then besides that, it's really just, you know, a little bit of Facebook advertising, a little bit of email marketing and really just relationship building. But yeah, it's been very successful. I think over time it's become more and more successful just because more and more people have taken it and been very vocal about it. I have an awesome group of advocates online who are so happy to share my content and tell other people about what they're learning, which I'm so grateful for. So they really are kind of the mouths of of the course and they love sharing about it. And I think that has sort of a domino effect for other people. And then you have a podcast as well, right? Yes. So that's my my latest venture in content creation, I guess. I, I started the Freelance Friday podcast in January of this year. So it's still pretty new, but I absolutely love it. I love podcasting more than I thought I would. <laughs> <laughs> and that serves the same audience and ultimately can bring them towards your, your courses and your other content. Exactly. Yep. It's it's also aimed at freelancers. I interview different guests from all different industries and all different types of freelance work. And then I also have just one-on-one episodes where, again, I share my tips and tricks, my experiences as a freelancer. How have you found podcasting? You say, well, you say, you say you enjoy it. I do. I really love it. But you know what? It's a lot of work. I feel like it's honestly a lot more work than YouTube is, which I was surprised about because I'm thinking like, it's just my voice. You know, I don't have to do my makeup. I don't have to have the lighting perfect. Um, but finding a quiet time to to record is one issue. I live in downtown Detroit, so there is like always construction <laughs> and, you know, I feel like getting things perfect can be a lot of work. And then I feel like I have to think a little bit more with my podcast. I can't ramble as much as I can on a video. I try to be really concise and have good notes and be really prepared. So it is a lot of work, but I think it's it's really worth it. One of the reasons that I started the podcast was because people were saying, oh my gosh, I love your Freelance Friday video series, but they would say, I can't wait to watch it when I get home from work or, you know, I'm going to save this for later. And I was realizing, hey, a lot of these people have either day jobs or they're freelancing and they're out working with clients. They want to listen to this now in their car or while they're on the subway or whatever. So that's really why I started the podcast was just so it was a little bit easier for those people to consume my content. And I'm intrigued. It's almost like you've you've got two sides of your business so far. You've got your social media consulting and, uh, and managing and all of that. And then you've got a different audience of Ovis Crossover, which is aimed at freelancers. Do the businesses that hire you for the social media side ever make reference to what you do on YouTube and your podcast, for example? Yes, all the time. (laughs) And I'm always surprised by that because I do try to keep my businesses pretty separate. 
just so I don't confuse people, because every once in a while I will get somebody, you know, on one of my websites filling out a form that's clearly looking for the other thing. And so I try to keep them very separate. That's one of the reasons. And also just because my YouTube is a little bit more personal and, and, you know, it's just a different audience. So I do try to keep them pretty separate, but you would be shocked at how many people find me on YouTube. I would say, to be honest with you, a good 70 to 80% of my inbound leads and inquiries come from YouTube. Wow. Yeah. But I guess it shows that, I mean, well, for a start, I, I always think they feel like they know you, but also you're, sh- you're showing that you can turn up every single week, that you know what you're talking about. And because you mentioned that you talk about social media on there, you clearly understand YouTube. You're ticking a lot of boxes without, as you say, without being salesy. Yeah, exactly. I think it it does. I think you're you're your own best portfolio project. And if you have a presence going and if you are excited about what you're doing, I mean, I think that's really what gets people for me is they're like, you can tell that you love what you do. You can tell that you love social media. So I want to hire somebody that loves doing this and that isn't looking at this as a chore. Yeah, that's great. So you talked there about keeping your businesses separate. So you've got like Natasha James seems to be marketed towards the freelancers, but then you actually have like a totally separate business name. Am am I right? Yes. James and Park is my legal business name. <laughs> James and Park. I like. And is there a Park as in, is there two people or is it just you? It's just me. <laughs> I get that question all the time as well. So Park is actually, it's just a significant street name in my life. I, I grew up on Park Street and I've had a lot of business experience on another Park Street. So that's what Park is. So is James and Park simply your social media work or is there more to it? And is it just you or do you hire other people? Because there seems to be a lot going on. Yeah, there is a lot going on. So it started as my social media work for sure. So that's the main thing that we do is social media marketing, social media consulting. And we have definitely expanded a bit into more creative work. So Squarespace design, video and audio editing. And then this year, I also introduced mentorships, which I'm really excited about. So I have a few people signed up for them already, and they're going so wonderfully. The mentorships are essentially where we work with CEOs and founders and managers, community managers who are looking to build their own social media presence and be kind of thought leaders in their industry. So it's a hands-on intensive mentorship. And then I also do a video marketing mentorship kind of aimed at the same audience, business owners who are looking to learn how to do Facebook Live and learn how to introduce a video marketing strategy to their business. Those are the major services that we offer. And then, yes, I am the founder and the sole owner of the business, but I do work with other subcontractors and other creatives as I need to. How have you found that experience of of bringing on other people? Uh, yeah, it it has its ups and downs, for sure. I think that it's an ever-evolving process, being a great leader. And it, especially when it's your own business, it can be really tough. Like I said, I, I came from working in retail for so long. And so I was hiring people all the time. And I was a manager for years and years and years. So I thought that it would be super easy. Like, I know how to do this. But yeah, when it's your own business, it's it's your baby. So I just think it can be a little bit more challenging. Also, I guess one of the best tips that I have is just to start documenting everything 
from the onset. I never thought that I would hire people, even just on a contract basis or, you know, a very part-time basis until I realized I have to, you know, until I realized I had too much work and I just needed somebody. So you can never be too prepared and you can never get prepared too soon. So every process that I have now, I document it and save it just in case I do need to teach somebody else because it just makes things go so much smoother. Hiring somebody, it can be a job in itself, like just getting all the paperwork and all the processes and all the training together. It takes so much time. So the more that you can be prepared for it the better yeah yeah that's so true so you mentioned there having too much work or too many things to fit in so how how do you find the whole work-life balance side of being freelance yeah um (laughs) i think i definitely have that curse of being a (laughs) multi-passionate creator i love everything so i feel like i can just be pulled in so many different directions sometimes and it's really hard for me to prioritize So in the beginning, when you're starting, you're really all about just getting work and getting testimonials, then getting experience because you you need to. So you're kind of taking what you can get, really. But I feel like I've moved on to a phase in my business where I can really be selective, which is really a good place to be in. And, And I'm pushing myself to say no more and more this year and to really focus on the things that you know, will either really build my business and, and really move the needle for me or things that I'm very passionate about and not just taking things just to take things. I can definitely be a yes person. So I'm definitely working on learning how to say no a little bit. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, I, I love to stay busy. I'm I'm young and have tons of energy. So I'm trying to, you know, make the most of that time. I know it won't always be that way. So yeah, I love it. When you mentioned the various services that you're, you know, that you've branched out to as James and Park, had they come about because people have asked for them, like first up your social media, but you've branched out. There's like an umbrella of things that you're offering. Yeah, it it definitely came from client requests and or just things that I started to want to do for clients. You know, social media it is video now. It is audio now. Like there's so many different components that I feel like you really do need to have to have a great social media strategy now. Unfortunately, just posting links to your website just doesn't really work anymore. So I started to do a lot more of the creative stuff, you know, of the video editing and the audio and all of that. And so I was like, you know what, I need to just start offering this as a standalone service because a lot of people do really want this. And maybe they do have a social media manager either in-house or an agency that they work with, but they just don't have the actual content. Yeah. So that's really how that stuff started. And then same thing for Squarespace. I, I got a lot of requests about websites. And I had always built my own websites. And I never thought that that was something that I could offer. But yeah, I've started offering it and people love it. And I love it. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? I guess sometimes we can take skills that we have for granted. Like if you've almost grown up making videos, you might even presume everybody can edit a video. Yeah, absolutely. In in this world that we live in, it's wild how many skills that we really do have. And I always tell creators that and people who are coming to, you know, my Freelance Friday series or my podcast, and they're like, I really want to start freelancing, but I don't know what to do. And I'm like, you're a YouTuber or you're, you know, look at your Instagram. You have an amazing Instagram. Maybe take a couple of photography classes and really brush up and you could actually do that as your freelance gig. So yeah, there's so many skills that we have that we just don't even think about. Speaking of Instagram, is that quite a significant thing for you too? Yeah, I I have a love-hate relationship with Instagram and I am I'm definitely not as consistent as I should be. 
I feel like it is a great resource for people to use. And and I get so many inquiries through Instagram as well. I get so many questions and so many just requests to work together through Instagram. But I just I have to take breaks from it. It gets really overwhelming to me sometimes. I'm not sure why Instagram above all the other platforms. But I mean, there's there have been studies about it, too, saying that that's one of the worst platforms for people's mental health because it's just like the endless scroll and you can get so wrapped up in what other people are doing. So I try to really set limits for myself and not, you know, not spend so, so much time observing and I try to spend a lot more time doing. So anyway, to answer your question, I I love it, but I hate it. Yeah. Actually, something you just said there reminded me of one of your videos that I watched about doing rather than perhaps watching was it is it was a great title it was something like why i stopped watching gary v or some some of that. but actually when you watch it you're not just talking about gary v you're talking about all of these kind of people who maybe you might follow online and for that matter who some people would be following you in a similar way you found yourself following uh, online entrepreneurs or advice type gurus i hate that word what what was it that, that made you realize i've got to stop watching these people <laughs> Yeah. And and I love those people. I say this in the video, but I have to put this disclaimer out on the podcast too. Like I love Gary Vee. I think he's brilliant. There's so many great, smart people out there giving advice, which is an amazing thing. But I'd spend an entire weekend in front of my computer and I'm like, wait, what did I accomplish? Or, you know, what did I do this weekend? And the answer is nothing. Like I was just watching other people do. And I think that, sure, that has its time and place. You know, when you're first getting started and you're absolutely have no sense of direction, you don't know what you're doing, you definitely have to spend a lot of time learning and observing. But there comes a point where it's like, okay, like you can only listen to so much. And and really a lot of this content is just people rephrasing things in different ways and, you know, maybe sharing a different perspective, which again, it's great, but you have the resources that you need. So just go get started. I felt like I was spending a lot of time listening to other people and just wasn't accomplishing so much. My podcast, for example, you know, I had been wanting to launch a podcast for like a year before I did. And I found that I was just listening to a ton of podcasts to prepare. And it's like, just record the podcast, (laughs) you know, just just stop listening to everybody else and just record your own. So yeah, I, I think that there's a healthy balance. And definitely when you are in any type of digital career, things change so much and and you do have to be a lifelong learner. I'm never above learning from you know, these big gurus, if you will, to new people who just have fresh, different perspectives. I'm never above that. But you definitely have to find a balance between listening and actually doing. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me? All right. So first one, one of my first long-term clients was based in Paris, France. Second one, I have a college degree in political science. And third is I moved to Los Angeles for a few months right after high school. Oh, do you know what's funny is I nearly asked whether all of your clients are local and you go and throw in the Paris one. And I almost asked, what did you study? And you've now said political science. So I missed my opportunity to try and find the foundation of truth. Are you from Detroit originally? I'm from Michigan, so I'm from about two hours west of Detroit, a smaller town, yep. Which is quite a distance from LA. So why would you, maybe you thought you were going to be an actress 
Isn't that why people move to LA? After high school, though, how old are you when you finish high school? 18. Or maybe, maybe you did. Political science, there's not really much I can ask about that. <laughs> I don't know. And I'm not smart enough about uh, political science to ask a question in order to rumble you. <laughs> and Paris. So how on earth did you come to work with somebody in Paris? Yeah, so this was a, a social media client who found me on the internet. Oh, because of Upwork. Actually, because of YouTube. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Mm, okay. Well, the fact that you you could have easily agreed with me that it was from Upwork, but you didn't. You said it was YouTube. So I think that's true. Political science, I've, I mean, I've simply no idea. <laughs> what do you study in political science? Um, international politics. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to say that's the lie. Nope, it's actually the truth. <laughs> oh, you fool me. I know, completely. I know. Okay, so unless, of course, you never turned up to a lesson, then you, you still don't know what political science is. So what was the lie? Uh, I moved to LA after high school. I actually moved to Washington, D.C. right after high school. You never moved to LA after high school? Never lived in LA. Okay, right. Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance... What would that be? Oh, man. Write a contract <laughs> for every client, every single one, even if they're a portfolio project and you're doing it as, you know, just like a freebie to build your portfolio, still get a contract. It's just great to get in that practice of doing that. Luckily, I haven't had anything go too wrong, but it's just a good thing to get in the practice of and to really protect yourself. Mm. What would you say has been like the biggest challenge of being freelance for you? I think just all of the money stuff. It's really overwhelming just keeping track of everything and am I doing my taxes right? And of course, getting paid. I, again, I've been pretty lucky in that I've never really had anyone just flat out not pay me, but I've definitely had to you know, call somebody all the time <laughs> to make sure that they're sending the check and send reminder emails. And it's just it's just a lot. It's not what I thought I was signing up for necessarily. But again, like the more that you do it, you learn what kind of some of the red flags are. And then you also learn what really resonates with people. Like I've learned that writing the payment details into the contract. Yeah, that's great. But you also need to spell it out on the phone with them or in an email with them when you're first starting to work together because so many people just skim through contracts so they don't really you know they're not really paying attention so yeah you live and you learn but I would definitely say just the whole money aspect is overwhelming <laughs> and sometimes it can feel be it Instagram or YouTube or whatever that it's almost not worth starting because it's too late what's your thoughts on that way of looking at it yeah, I don't really understand the whole concept of it being too late. I guess the closest industry that we can really compare like this content creation world to is the more traditional world of TV and movies, right? Obviously, I'm no, no movie star or anything like that, but they're basically freelancers. They're actors working, trying to get known. And you never think like, oh, you know, Selena Gomez, she, she just started too late or, you know, some actor. Like everybody has their own time and everybody is going to be known for one specific style or one specific type of content that they're good at. So, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how it works. There's always going to be somebody new coming along. And as platforms advance and as they change, we will too. You know, our content strategies will change too. So 
don't be afraid about that. And, you know, if you're really starting it for the right reasons, which should be because it's something that you enjoy and also something that you've thought about and that you have a little bit of strategy behind, I think you'll be fine. I think that we're kind of past the days of having people you know, post one semi-shocking or scandalous video and getting a million subscribers the next day. But slow growth is still a thing. And I think that that's actually the more important kind of growth because you're growing for the right reasons and you're reaching the right people and you're you're doing it strategically. You're not just like a a one-hit wonder, if you will. Mm. Latasha, thank you so much. Uh, It's been great chatting to you. Go to beingfreelance.com, links through to everything which she's up to, which, as you may have gathered, is quite a lot. So you can see all of those. Highly recommend the videos uh, and the Freelance Fridays podcast as well. Uh, Go take uh, a look, beingfreelance.com. While you're there, check out the videos, sign up for the newsletter. You know the drill. Most importantly, share this with other people as well as I throw my pen across the uh, room. And, yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. and. All the best being freelance. Thanks for having me.